and welcome to Sunnydale Study Group, the podcast for returning Scoobies and Buffy newbies. I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And I'm Holland. Joining us for the second time is Rachel Hine. Yay! Hello again. Uh, if you listened last week, you know that Rachel Hine is the editor-in-chief of Nerdist.com. You know Nerdist.com. Everyone knows Nerdist.com. Uh, thank you again for joining us so. this week. Sure, absolutely. I love this episode. These two episodes are two of my favorites ever. I think they're so game-changing for all of the characters, and I would have been sad if I so thank you for having me. I'm well, very excited. Everyone who watched the episode is sad, so let's, yeah, I know. let's take that and head into the library. Uh, before we, um, just a quick refresher, you're the editor-in-chief of Nerdist.com. You're a huge Buffy fan. You watched Buffy in college when you were um, invalidated for a little bit there. Yes, I was uh, had a giant cast on my arm and was already a very shy person, so any excuse to stay inside and watch... Uh, TV was welcome, but I fell in love and read the comics when they came out and have watched the show at least once a year. I think it's usually Buffy and Battlestar Galactica. I do. I try to do every oh, year. That's Battlestar Galactica is long though, right? Yeah. BSG? <laughs> Yeah, it's, four it's like four seasons. It's four and a half, but it feels long because so much happened. I feel like I so never because I, I never watched. I started it and then never finished it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I also didn't finish it. I, but I have a reason that I'm okay with, and I will finish it one day. Is the new Caprica arc just knocked the wind out of me so much that I was like, this makes me feel so depressed every single hour. It is very depressing. It's like it's not like oh, I love characters, and it's like Buffy where they get brought to this like horrific place, but they're usually somewhat brought out of them. Battlestar, I felt like it was like they were just torturing everyone I loved so much and I just couldn't handle it anymore and I just lost track of them. I understand that. I watched that one while it was on. Um, but yeah, so I actually just finished my annual rewatch last night so I'm feeling all the feels about Buffy Yay! Right now. <laughs> Alright. Um, Rachel and I went to school together mm-hmm. UCSB and fun fact about UCSB is uh, it's, well Santa Barbara is the town of Sunnydale. Yep. So you can a lot see of the signs things. and like the mall sometimes. Yep. Yeah, we're talking to Stephen how it's like a lot of their B roll is State Street, like mm-hmm. outside Ethan's shop, it's just State Street. Yep, um, and cool. so that will probably come up at some point. We'll talk about that because this takes place all around Sunnydale, including a mall. Uh, but hey, if you're like, what? Hold on, there's a mall in this episode, <laughs> the judge is in this episode, maybe I didn't watch it. <laughs> But that's fine. You know what? It's okay. This is an all-inclusive group. And what we're going to do is we're going to catch you up with a cram session. Chris Bermonte is going to summarize the episode in five super easy, bazookable sentences. So, Chris, take it away. After a night of intimacy, Angel runs out into the street uncomfortable and on his knees and screaming. Woman walks by. Bites her on the neck and blows out her cigarette, and something clearly strange is going on with that guy. And what is that thing? <laughs> One. <laughs> Bust out my red pen. <laughs> Angel walks into Drusilla and Spike's lair, where they are hanging out with the judge, a demon that Drusilla has assembled, who has the ability to bring ab- uh, about the apocalypse with only the power of his stare. And Angel is now sarcastic, and he's part of the team, and the judge goes up to him to try to suck out his humanity, but there is none left because Angel has lost his soul, and he is now on the bad guy's team. Two. Buffy is losing her mind because she is not sure why Angel just took off like that all of a sudden, and the gang is worried about her, and they're looking for her, and no one can quite find her. But eventually she comes, confides in the gang that she can't find Angel, and um, and uh, there's a bunch of discomforts going on. It's Xander and Cordelia's tryst comes to surface in front of Willow, who is very saddened by this, and I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Three. I'm not doing great on these things. <laughs> But people usually like when I do bad at it. Yeah, yeah. They usually like, wow, you're so bad at this. Um, you're like an M.H. Shyamalan sort of in that sense, right? Yeah. Let's <laughs> hope, hope not. Buffy is unsure as to why Angel 
is being so cruel to her when she finally finds him. And they discover after a night at the school that Angel tries to trick Willow into coming up to him and he almost bites her. And it is revealed that Angel is now evil and Buffy has a dream that implies that Jenny Callender knows what's up. So Buffy charges into Jenny's classroom, throws her down onto a table and says, what do you know? And Jenny reveals to the gang that the reason that Angel has lost his soul is because he experienced a moment of true happiness and the curse from the gypsies was intended to only make him suffer. So by experiencing that moment of true happiness, when Buffy lost her virginity to him, he lost his soul and there is no easy way to get it back in them. Four. Is that a, is that really four? <laughs> the judge is trying to kill as many people as possible, and Oz, with his clear thinking, deduces that it's going to be at a mall. So the gang assembles at a mall, except how are you going to kill the judge when an army took, took him down the last time? Giving Xander the bright idea to get a rocket launcher, which is great enough technology that it is powerful beyond what the old people who killed the judge were able to do, and Buffy blasts him to oblivion, confronts Angel, and fights him, and almost kills him, but she can't quite do it yet, and she needs time. And Giles says that's okay. Five. <sighs> yeah, way to go! Chris Bramante, author of Infinite Jest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Oh. That was great. You got it all. Yeah, you got it this all. This was probably was the most good. challenging episode of Sunrise in Five Sentences, mm -hmm. I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, usually it's a like whenever I like, I'm like, oh no, you're not explaining all this and that. I'm like, no, just, just go. Leave it behind. Just just run forward <laughs> and just say stuff. Go on without me. <laughs> I feel like the first thing, not to totally like usurp your power or anything, but I feel like the first thing. <gasps> I, My throne is being dragged from me. <laughs> Love the sarcasm. Anyway. <laughs> Was that a sarcastic statement? Yeah, I think you didn't love the sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> but in doing so, you participated in it, which makes me think that you do love sarcasm, which is extra salt I on the I do love moon. sarcasm. I'm not getting a reading on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm What's sorry. I don't understand what's happening. Um, uh, this whole episode, I, I don't even know if it's like a metaphor, but it all is about like rejection. Yes. Um, so it's Buffy going through, basically having to deal with losing your virginity to someone and then having them, like, completely 180 on you. Like, basically, like, your biggest fear mm -hmm. is that, and that's what happens and then some. And then you have Willow finding out about Xander and Cordelia, and that's, like, the biggest stab in the heart to her because she's like, you'd rather be someone... You'd rather be someone with someone that you hate instead of being with me. Yeah. And it's just like those two moments are so hard to watch because they're so hard mm -hmm. to the characters and they're also like weirdly relatable. Oh, totally. And it's just one yes. of those things that is just so like, it's so hard to watch. Mm -hmm. And I think this episode handles it really well. Yeah. I think that the, uh, the beauty of the metaphor here with Angel's turn is that idea of what you were talking about. Is that like you sleep with a guy and then he becomes a jerk. Yeah. Yep. And if this is the penultimate, uh, I think maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe that's a more specific word and I'm using it wrong. That's a, this is one of my favorite, obviously it's heartbreaking to see what Buffy goes through, but I think it's one of the most genius Whedon things is that metaphor. Because it's like you've had all these pretty innocent metaphors up to this point. The invisible girl that nobody pays attention to. The, um, you know, the, the foreign exchange student who's having, you know, trouble fitting in. This is the first time that it really just changes the status quo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's super heavy. I mean, it's, because it's not just, it's not just, like, physical interaction, right? Like, they share a really specific and special moment. I think that's what it is, is that Buffy, who is constantly in herself and very closed off, opens up to somebody. Mm -hmm. Um... And even if it wasn't like sex, I think it would still have the same impact, you know? I mean, clearly it's, that's, that's a huge um, moment in your life, but that's, that's the big, that's the big point there. Mm -hmm. I mean, next morning she wakes up, he's gone and finds out he's a jerk. She wakes up alone mm -hmm. and has no idea what's going on. And the best slash worst part is that when she finally does find him again, 
everything that he's saying could happen to someone without there being any mystical involvement yeah, at all. So yeah. there's no reason for her not to believe. The part that, God, her, I mean, I said this in the last episode, but her acting in this throughout the whole time that she doesn't know what's going on with Angel, she's so withdrawn, she's so concerned. Willow picks up on it, that Joyce even a little bit picks up yeah. on it. But once she finally gets to him and he just says like, oh, it's no big, like, it's the worst thing. It's yeah. the thing you don't want to hear is, oh, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. And when she's almost about to break down and says, was was it me? Was I bad? And he just laughs at her. That is one of the cruelest moments yeah. where she's so vulnerable and she's yeah. opened herself up like that. And and they did. They shared this moment that feels so real in the, the end of the last episode. And then she just wakes up and it, everything is different. And she has no idea what's going yeah. on. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, I feel like it's part of the evil of Angelus because it's like, this is a, Angelus is a character. It's like, he's not Angel anymore. And it's like, this is the episode where we meet Angelus. And it's like, the thing that's so sick about him is he wants her to feel such pain. And he knows that if he showed up and immediately attacked her and showed his vamp face, obviously she'd still be crushed by that. But he knew the thing that'll put her in the most suffering is convincing her that I'm still good. Yeah. And that, like, when he walks out and that his last line is like, I'll call you in that casual way. Mm -hmm. It's like, he just knows how much pain he's putting her through. And yeah. he loves it. And it was kind of terrifying about Angelus where he's kind of talking about how it's like, he's punishing her for making him feel. Because it's mm -hmm. like, Angelus is trapped inside Angel's head this whole time. So he actively is just so disgusted by Angel. And they... It, Angelus hates Angel more than anyone else that he hates. Uh -huh. So I think that that's kind of interesting to me as well. The yeah. idea that he almost has his own consciousness uh -huh. uh, that is actually preserved. It's almost like he's like behind the driver's seat, like watching this thing. Yeah. yeah. Does that make any sense? I'm sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, because he, yeah. Even, he knows everything that they've been through. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, one aspect of this episode that I really like, because I feel like we can totally really dive into the whole interaction between Buffy and Angel, um, or Buffy and Angelus. But one thing I love about Buffy, and this comes up a lot more in the future, it's definitely popped up a few times, but like the, the more that we kind of move away from Monster of the Week and get to really focus on Buffy as a character, mm -hmm. and as, as an individual, a lot of really tough emotional issues come up. There's a lot of stuff she has to deal with, but there's still other obligations, um, whether they're life or whether they're like her Slayer responsibilities. And so having to deal with the judge still being a threat while being crushed, mm -hmm. you know, by this interaction, by this event, is that's one thing I love about the show because it's so like if you're if you're dealing with like a personal loss of any sort and you still have to like go to work and stuff like that, um, if you're lucky enough to have a job, I guess that <laughs> that's the very first world <laughs> perspective there. But you know, like you you have to. There's several elements of life that you have to deal with. And so, uh, I don't know, that was one thing that I really liked was that she had to figure out a way to, like, get to the mall, to take care of the judge, mm -hmm. to find a solution to beat this guy who's so strong that took out both her and Angel, and, Angel, and now she doesn't even have Angel on her side, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that there's, when I was watching it this particular time, I almost saw a parallel in when Willow finds out that, because like, obviously it's like every, the gang recognizes how serious this is. It's like everyone, there's almost like a longevity of the research that hasn't come up in the show ever before. That it's like there's these big apocalyptic moments, but I think this is the second actual apocalypse. And the fact that this is going on, like when they're leaving the library that time, and it's like, oh, I'll be back at this point to research. And it's mm -hmm. like Willow falling asleep. It's like, this is just such heavy, all hands on deck type yeah. situation. Oz is in the gang. Cordy, not even a question anymore that she's not part of the gang. Where it's like earlier in the season, we're like, oh, is Cordy, Cordy part of the gang? It's like, no, no, no. Cordy is 100% part of the Scooby gang. No question about mm -hmm. it. Um, but I think that when Xander and Cordelia are making out and then Willow sees them, it's like Xander's plan to defeat the judge happens at the time right after the conversation where he realizes he's hurt Willow. And that it's like Willow is more disgusted with him than she's ever been in her entire friendship. And she says that to him. And then that's the moment that he has the plan that saves the day. And I felt like there was a parallel in that this time. Because I think that that was kind of him 
almost just being shaken down to his core for the first time ever when she's like, you have gross emotional problems. I think that that's the... Because Xander is... You know, we always talk about Xander and how pervy he is up to this point. Yeah. And, he's to, and I think that this is kind of the turning point of that. I would be wondering going forward. Because it's like he's like... In a surprise, he's making like the spanking joke. And yeah. And like, shut up. And like, no, no one's entertaining it. This is, I think, where he finally is like, I need to man up. I've hurt my best friend in the world. And now I need to actually not just be some guy making jokes around the table. I need to be a contributing member mm-hmm. of this situation. I need to not be the friend zone guy mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he, when I was rewatching it again this time as well, I kept noticing those comments and just sort of the ulterior motives he had a lot of the time that grossed me out that I didn't, I don't notice in, as much in subsequent seasons that I do think he right. grows up a lot. Oh, yeah. It's not really there as much later so he his plan uh hall and i were talking about this a little bit mm-hmm. on the the ride over here his plan basically is it's it's kind of a contrived plot point but it's basically that in halloween he was the one person who remembers everything that happened mm-hmm. so he since he was like a soldier in the military he still remembers like everything about weapons and about the military. So he's like, we're going to go sneak into him. He doesn't explain it, but they, they do it. So they sneak into mm-hmm. the military base and that's where they steal like the bazooka slash like rocket launcher. Um, so that's, it's cool because he does bring that to the group. Um, and I like that it goes back to the older episode, but to me it seemed kind of weird that mm-hmm. it was like, Oh, I remember how to do this. I'm this a skill that I have now. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. You don't accept it. I mean, it's 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 just weird. I I like it and I don't at the same time. I feel the same way about Jenny's storyline because I know that you really like it, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, and I like how they waited to be like, okay, Jenny is also is actually this, mm-hmm. um, and Jenny has an ulterior motive, and I like how they waited to bring that out. But both of those storylines, like, I just feel like so much happens in these two episodes. Mm-hmm. So when they bring in those two things, like, they almost seem like kind of convenient. Yeah. That like both of those things work out like oh Jenny knows this and Xander knows that so because it's like would can... Buffy not have remembered her life as a like old past time yeah woman? Like maybe she speaks well, French it's fluently weird because or... in the episode it yeah. seems like Willow's the only one who remembers what happens yeah because Willow was still Willow she was just Ghost Willow um so Willow was the only person and Cordelia well anyone who wasn't wearing the costume um. But, like, in that episode, you're like, oh, Willow knows this stuff. But then Xander's like, oh, no, I also know this stuff. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. So that was yeah. just Yeah. But he kind of sells it. The way he, like, has that moment is it's like, when we have been rewatching it, because I remember Xander was one of the characters that, I mean, because I started, I kind of first saw a lot of season four, and Xander's not as teenage boy then, and he was one of the characters that I really liked first. But it's like when you watch it back, it's like there starts to be those Nicholas Brendan delivery moments that I'm like, see, you are a great comedic actor. Mm-hmm. Like, your timing is great. And I love yeah. his little, like, I'm having a thought. I'm mm-hmm. turning into a plan. Oh, it's a plan. I'm like, there you are. All right. So I think that he kind of sells it. But I hear what you mean. It's like a little, and this is the I'm not saying that it's like him not selling it. It's more just like the writing the, of it. Is yeah, a little, the fact that that's yeah. something that comes in. It like pops up, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, we can do this to explain that. It's mm-hmm. not like he's been doing stuff in, like, but where he's just like, oh, you know, I've got military brain or something. He's never brought it up until the moment where it's absolutely the most convenient. He saved it best for last. Mm-hmm. Mm, well, that didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. um, I love the solution, though. I love, yes. no matter how we get to yeah. it, mm-hmm. the idea, and it's yeah. such a Buffy solution, mm-hmm. and it's such a, like, we get away <laughs> from, like, the whole uh, Buffy-esque uh, element of that, where it's like, she's cool, she's modern, she solves things her way, until that we, until that moment where the judge is gathering people, he doesn't have a town square, so he does it at a mall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then the solution is so elegant, just use a modern weapon. <laughs> yeah, I love that. The, yeah, the, that was then, this is now. Like, yeah. <laughs> Do you think the judge kind of, like, respects his destruction in a way? No. Okay. Because I almost thought that <laughs> when he's like, because he's like, what's that do? It's like, it's not like a, he's so, he's so casual. Yeah. yeah. And it's Luke. It's that actor who plays Luke. Ryan Thompson. That's his name? Yeah, because he's also, he's an alien-human hybrid oh, yeah, in yeah. X-Files. X-Files. 
And it's in Californication. Yeah. Hey, you didn't mention X-Files last episode. I didn't. Oh, I almost didn't because uh, there was another <laughs> thing where I didn't bring it up. I'm sorry, uh, guys. <laughs> we'll edit it back in. We, yeah, we'll put it back in. <laughs> My favorite part was just... X-Files. <laughs> uh, it's, do you guys think that this completes the Luke quotation where it's like, you're strong, I'm stronger. And then Buffy goes, that was then, this is now. Good. Yeah. I think they just thought they could get away with using the same actor because they put a bunch of makeup on his face. Sure. It's like I in Veronica so. Mars, the guy who plays, um, he plays diff- two different roles. He plays the teacher's assistant. Do you guys watch Veronica yeah, Mars? Yeah, okay. absolutely. I was I'm just so realizing there was no context. So but the guy who plays the TA yeah. in college is also um, in the second season with the one of the suspects for the bus accident with the gun that runs that works at the school it's the same actor they just give him like weird facial hair interesting that happens a lot anyway i feel like i feel like it doesn't happen in shows now because now they're like oh people are catching on that Mm -hmm. we do this doctor Mm -hmm. who still does it they don't care doctor (laughs) who i feel like is just like in its own like time yeah that's true oh (laughs) there's one actor who is a different character and buffy and angel he's also in firefly oh yeah yeah we haven't seen him yet plays Knox and angel which is much later he plays holden webster which is a character who is a one-off character in the future and then he's in that firefly episode the message yeah uh i played him i played that actor in my ucb 101 grad show you did yeah I forget what the initiation someone came up was like, hey, you're that guy. And I was like, yeah, I was in one episode of Buffy and yeah. Angel and yeah. Can you tell your James Marsker story? Oh, well, I, okay, sure. Because we can wait until later, but you, I only heard part of it and then Mia told me more of it and it's cooler than you let on. Whatever, we got drinks. What? Best friends. No, no, no. Uh, no, we didn't drink anything together. Almost cried. Uh, except for blood. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then we'll open it up. Uh, I, I I have a way to open it up there. But so what happened? I went to my fr- my um my friend Mary. She and I are on a team together. We're in the team swimming lessons. We do improv around LA, much like a robot teammate. Except you guys do a very good job, and we're just you know doing whatever. Um, hey, hey, no, we're not on Periscope. Best. I know my place. You could be. I know my value. Could be on Periscope. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you just go like this. Whoa. Then you're on it. Are we on it right now? Could be. Sure. Want to? Uh, no. <laughs> Not right now, because I feel like we'd be jumping in the middle of it. So anyhow, I went to a UC, I went to her um, her 301 grad show, and James Marsters was there. And I was like, what? He's just hanging out. Like, he's just here. He's just hanging out. And um, his wife was uh, in the class. She is super funny. She's awesome. amazing. Got She's got great specificity, amazing timing. Anyhow, um, he was sitting there, and uh, so I... I had to step over uh, James Marsters, who plays Spike, by the way, in case you didn't get the connection there, <laughs> uh, to get a seat in the middle so I could like see the stage better. And then I was like, I kind of want to talk to him, but I don't want to be weird. And I'd seen, a, I'd reviewed a play that he was in a year ago. It was like a smaller play. That's where also where I met like David Fury and people like that. So I turned to him and I was like, I remember you from the play. That was a great play. And he was like, Oh! And then we talked nice. <laughs> about the play for a while and just kind of like I got some like you know behind the scenes stuff. That was super awesome. Um, and then uh, and then afterwards, he, you know, we watched the show together. And then on my way out, I was like, well, it was great seeing you. And he shook my hand. He's like, I'll see you later, brother. And I was like, oh, that was cool. Awesome. Then Buff- I go. Did Buffy come out? Uh, yeah, Buffy came out. But not Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, and then uh, I went to go grab some food. And on my way back, I was crossing a street. And he was walking with his wife. And I was like, oh, but by the way, you're super funny. You were so funny. We're looking at the street. And then she's like, oh, you're the one who saw the play. And James Marsters, without me initiating it, like reached forward and like shook my hand, and it was just like it was, it was like, yeah, this is great, it's this guy, it's this guy, and then walked away. And I went into my car and I called my my mom, <laughs> <laughs> just like cried in the car. Uh, I couldn't handle it. That's the best. Did you book him for the podcast? Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> the next episode, no, it's not. For all of them, in fact. The best Sorry, Chris, thing about meeting, <laughs> like, worth it, right? a, like someone you care about. Is if you meet them and then run into them after the exchange and their significant other is like, oh, you're this person. And yeah. Like, they talked about me. Because that means you're part of their marriage a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's happened to me before and I've just been like, Ugh. okay, so we had a conversation, then you talked about the conversation and then <laughs> someone else is bringing up the conversation again and this is fine. Yeah. So that's, it's good. That's it's awesome. Good Got to hang out with him. It's the guy. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that just a guy is vampire. the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, guy, not a guy. <laughs> now we've all been. I feel like thanks to nerdist geek and sundry stuff, 
uh, we've had a chance to be around and interact with a lot of like Buffy people. So who, like, I don't know, who, who have you guys met? I feel like Rachel, I feel like you would have no, a lot of interaction know. stories. Um, I'm usually behind the scenes, so I don't know if there's anyone from Buffy that I've met. How about from like the greater Whedon birds? Um, yeah, I met Alan Tudyk briefly and almost like cried. That's awesome. Um, he came in to Geek and Sundry for their charity stream. And I was like, April, just, I need, please, I just. <laughs> um, and then backstage at Comic-Con and stuff like that, we had Nathan That's right. and Alan come by. And I, right now I'm trying to get different people from weed and stuff for like New York Comic-Con and things like that. And I'm thinking like. Maybe I maybe I do need to go. Maybe I should be on the floor so I can chat with people. But my my biggest one was I went to the it's it's back to Battlestar actually, but I'm gonna bring it up anyway because they're yeah. she's in Con Man, uh-huh. so it's relevant. It's brief, but I went to the Saturn Awards um, this year, which was really fun and very long, but very fun. <laughs> and Trisha Helfer was there. Whoa! Yeah, so I like saw her from a distance and just lost it and was sitting there just going like drinking wine going. Gonna, maybe I'll and I'm bad I don't like to go up to people uh-huh. I get really but bo- I don't want to bother anyone and I always feel like a big old loser so I mm-hmm. never like almost never say anything and always regret it and so I was there with a couple people from Nerdist and afterwards there was a little event and people were taking pictures with her and there were other cool people there but I just I'm like be just staring at her like a total creep <laughs> and so finally our social media manager said do you want me to ask her to take a picture with you and it, Yes. And so I went up to her and I said, I'm really, I don't even remember what I said. I probably just like word vomited at her. And she was so tall and so lovely and gracious and uh, it was amazing. And then I just immediately left and went, well, my life's not going to get any better tonight. So <laughs> that was it. Yeah. And then you bumped into like five of her. That's yeah. not a spoiler, right? No, that's pretty, that's known. That's the, that I think it was the Cylon, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the mini series. I think you know she's that the from the Cylon. get-go. Yeah, she's okay, like yeah, Queen yeah. Cylon. She's okay. advertised yeah. as such. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not a good babysitter. Uh, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> How about you, Holland? <laughs> um, the only person I met from Buffy, I'm not going to tell the story. Uh, Wait, no, we high-fived... Um, uh, oh god why can't i remember the actress named andrew i was oh yeah I, tom yeah link? tom, tom link. link yeah i mean I oh, yeah, we from, did, we by the way tom link thank you for retweeting us oh yeah he doesn't listen to the podcast we did high five tom link well because i saw tom link briefly at the geek and sundry thing alan tudyk we like made eye contact we didn't really talk at the geek and sundry thing um oh well felicia is that a spoiler? Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously. Oh, right. <laughs> she, Whoops. If you didn't know, yeah. Felicia's in, like, the last season of yeah. Buffy. We'll get okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoops. So that's a one. Mm-hmm. This is Felicia. Uh, I did meet Nicholas Brendan. Oh, yeah. You met Nicholas Brendan. Yeah. We hugged, but he's in a weird place right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, and meeting Enver was pretty cool. He's technically Weedenburst, because that was, like, when I was going into Geek and Sundry, mm-hmm. and it was dark, so it was one of those things where I was trying to figure out, because he was sitting on the curb, and I was trying to figure out if I knew him to say hi, and so we ended up just, like, saying hi and talking with each other, because neither of us, like, realized who each other was, and then I realized, oh, no, I met a, a Daichin. What? Daichin, also a Daichin? Yeah, yeah. She was also, I had to walk her into the street. This is all the Twitch stream. Yeah. I met, like, so many weed. I literally had to, like, walk her in and, like, talk with her and hang out with her dog. She was so pregnant. It was so funny. <laughs> um, you may and, have uh, seen me hiding behind a corner going, like, what is everyone doing over here? <laughs> Basically. Um, is there anyone else? I didn't meet Nathan Fillion. I had you and Mia frantically texting me that, Nathan and Joss are at this party. Where are you? And I was like, I'm on a train to San Diego. And by the time I got there, uh, I did not meet either of them. You had a helicopter down. But I yeah. did meet Molly Quinn. That's great. She was sweet. Um, uh, now I'm just her. naming all this. She's not. So uh, now I'm just like naming. Yeah. I asked a question like, to Molly Ringwald once. Um, which is I don't true. know. I don't think I've met. Yeah. So Nicholas Brendan. That's great. That's my end Felicia. Yeah. Wow. That's huge. Oh, wait. I went to school with Michelle, Michelle Trachtenberg. Wait. <laughs> Elementary school. That's fun. What? Wait, so, but that was still back in the Pete yeah. Heat days. And Harriet the Spy. Yeah. I, I had a she was huge older than me. crush on her and Harriet the Spy. Like yeah. a violent crush. Vanessa Lee Chester also went to violent? school with us. Yeah. I feel like a lot of my crushes are violent. Like, to me. That's interesting. Like, you know when you starve and your body starts to digest itself? Sort of. That's me. Okay. 
with my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, we accidentally just turned this into like the name dropper. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. And people might not understand it. I'm friends. I'm friends with Ron Glass. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> chant together. That's so ridiculous. What? I can hate us right now. <laughs> yeah, somewhere out there, several people have put our faces on dartboards, and they're just We're like, "This is annoying." People. You, you. I like- well, Ron Glass is a great guy. I mean, I mean, I know him from like Buddhist meetings. He's awesome. He's What's interesting? Spiritual. Yeah. I, well, something that's uh, I think that's interesting um, in that. Oh, yeah. I guess also. Oh yeah, when you yeah. do that Firefly commercial, I shot uh, yeah, I shot a Comic Con entire... commercial for the Firefly game, so I got to meet a lot of the, the actors. Entire... Um, so yeah, <laughs> whatever. This whatever, it's fine. No, Buffy's life is ruined. Whatever, it happens yeah. to all of us. Your boyfriend get over it, Buffy. Uh, this is adulthood. Just kidding. I don't feel that way. But one cool thing is like, I, one thing I really like about like the Whedon community and the Buffy community is that it. I feel like you can trace it back to, like, I feel like it's always been a goal of mine to associate myself with these people or at least like do something that would get me close to like people whose work I really admire mm-hmm. and that's like a, it's not a thing where it's like I want to get everyone's autographs right it's like not like I want to prove that I'm popular and I want to get like Instagram likes or whatever right um but it's like I want to be just in this community that's creating really great and very emotional content yeah. like very like um content that connects to people yeah I feel like they're like these mythological beings it's like to me it's like you've been a part of, to me, it's almost like if you ran into like a character from the Bible, you know, it's like you were They're part not characters, of, they're real people, Chris. Right. But to me, that's sort of what it's like. It's like I see someone like that and it's just like, I read about you in Genesis. Yeah. Uh. Also, they just, they seem like a family. They're also, they all appear and mm-hmm. seem so clever yeah. and, and passionate and they, you know, we're doing a lot of the great content and sci-fi and genre work that is more we have more access to now but when they were doing it Mm -hmm. they were doing it because they loved it even if it wasn't necessarily resonating with everyone or it didn't get the chance that it it should have gotten you know if all if some of these shows had been on now just imagine how much bigger they would have been you know crazy with oh yeah it's also like i feel yeah like it would have been something where like it would have gone like straight to netflix or like straight to hulu or something Mm -hmm. and then it wouldn't have gotten canceled because i feel like there's shows now that are like on that i mean like hannibal just got canceled and hannibal's such an amazing show but like it like i just feel like it's more of like i think we're in the middle of it this is totally off topic but i feel like we're more in like a switch in how we view that medium Mm -hmm. so these are shows that like now could be web series or could just be made for an online platform and will do really well because the people who are watching them are just always watching things online. But at the time that they were doing them, they weren't necessarily mainstream. And now they only seem more mainstream because they've had the opportunity to like be consumed by more kind of like cult fan bases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know I mean? more niche, right? Mm-hmm. The snail tail, as it's called in media studies. Mm-hmm. But it's not even like I don't even know if it's like niche. I think it's just like it's a lot of people, and, and there's different levels of watching. But it's just like when something's around, it's easier to consume. Yeah, like, oh, this is over. Oh, I can. Like, it's accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I used to be a little intimidated by Rachel Hine. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know. You were just like super cool, and I was just like. Now you know. <laughs> now I know. Then I now you know out. the truth. Yeah. Just I remember. Like me. No, I remember when you started following me on Twitter because I was still back in Boston and I was like talking with my friend and I was like, I think this girl just from Nerdish just started following me on Twitter. I got really excited. You're a celebrity. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of celebrities, I think David Boreanaz is a way better actor as Angel than he is as Angel. Yes. Yeah. Let's he's talk really about that. he's yeah. good at playing like a Himself. like a jerk. Let's space it out a little bit. Let's maybe talking over each other is sort of a <laughs> No, but even like in Bones, like he's he's a nice like Booth is a great character and like a great guy, but like he just has that like like that yeah. aspect to He's jockey. Yeah, he has yeah. that like to a lot of his characters and it's mm-hmm. not like There's some I mean, I you have your it. internal chemistry, and sometimes characters play better into that than others. For example, yeah. Mark Wahlberg in The Happening, playing a super nice science teacher, mm-hmm. didn't animals? work. No, right. no Mark yeah. Wahlberg. <laughs> it's like, in all the I times, don't believe you a date Zoe Deschanel. 
had a million years. She ate Teramisu. Yeah. And all the times I've interacted with David Boreanaz, and they've been in a very specific context. This isn't, no, <laughs> this isn't a name drop, because I've definitely no. been You're right. Beyond. You're Fuck correct. Yourself. It's not a name drop. You just dropped his name. But, <laughs> but in a context that I was, you know, I was the I was the, the surf picking up his trash. But um, is that a weird comment? Anyway, I was serving a party uh, that was a, like, a expen- I was a hors d'oeuvre or drink passer or something. Is also there? She wasn't at that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen her a bunch. Oh, but anyway, I David Boreanaz. can't see the blood is coming out of Holland's eyes. <laughs> My interactions with him Jump have been the <laughs> serving him at parties as a caterer or asking him, uh, for a few years in a row at Comic-Con, I was the recurring person that always asked him an angel question at the Bones panel. <laughs> you, and you're that guy. I was that yeah, guy. Was that you guy. are that guy. But I was that guy like worst. three times Bones in a row. Bones is an amazing show. Go home. But it was funny because it was like, by the third time, he kind of was like, oh, this guy. This 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, but anyway, Ed Jealous is more close to his actual personality than Angel is. Well, I not, feel like yeah. even on Angel, they do this sort of, not to dive up, but they mm. do a sort of character shift. Yeah. It's not a spoiler that there was a show called Angel, right? No, no we've right. talked about it okay. so much. It. No, yeah. I'm not, no plot points, but his personality seems much more like jovial and playful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love how sassy he is yeah. as Angelus and all of his facial expressions and everything he does is just, it's like, but she's so, what is it, like cute and helpless. Like he yeah. just is so, he's just taunting them and it's really fun. Yeah. My but, favorite is when he kisses Spike on like in this episode when he goes up to Spike and like gives him a big old kiss on the forehead. Yeah, I'm just like it's cute, but also it's like the biggest like power move. Like, oh, you're so cute in your little wheelchair. Like, I'm gonna go steal your girlfriend. Basically, I'm back. Yeah, Yeah. it's like a mob. It's like a mobster move. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, is that racist? He is Italian. Whoa. I'm Italian too. I can, so I, you can be racist. I can say I'm just, Italian. I'm just stuff. being mean to you. That's okay. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> only because you get to hang out at parties with celebrities. It's not hanging out. It's picking up their trash. <laughs> hey, you, serving you them drinks <laughs> and trying to banter with them. It pays thirteen dollars an hour, but that's the most Chris could afford. Ah, it's an old okay. joke about. Uh, no, never mind. And it pays never more mind. than that. Is that another sex joke? <laughs> What? No. <laughs> How? How? Not even in what world is that a sex joke? How? Because in no world is that a sex joke. Yeah. The joke is, it's a, it's, a, it's a, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the joke was that Chris paid to do it. Ah. Uh, it pays this. That's it. the most that Chris uh, could afford. Because he pays that money. Oh, it's me. I think I get it. I took words and I played with them. Did I succeed? Um, no. Angelus also, and this isn't a huge spoiler, but it also kind of is throughout his character. Angelus loves live theater. And he <laughs> he does. This is the hard-hitting analysis you come to Sunnydale study group for. <laughs> he does. And when he comes in and he's like, he's moving to, his, to New York. And he makes that joke oh, about yeah. it. Yeah. And I know that's just a joke, but it's kind of like, it kind of comes up. A good amount. Yeah. And that it's both the thing that I think Angelus and Angel have in common is that they both actually really love live theater. And is there like did someone ever okay, audience, I, I wanna know. I'm not super familiar with Buffy fan fiction. I wanna know if there is like like an AU series where Angel where Angelus is like a Broadway like theater producer <laughs> or an actor. Or, or actor or like it's like anything. a Gene Kelly. Whoa, okay. Through, uh, yeah. <gasps> I'm all oh, about this. Hello, my baby. He loves oh, the ballet. Oh, That's kind of a spoiler. Sort of. No. It's a later episode. It's a. We're playing it's like I cried like a baby, and I was evil. <laughs> 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 um, I think that Joss has so much fun with his villains. Oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, Angel, like, I feel like Joss doesn't. He understands restraint in his characters, and in terms of the people he gathers around him as well, right? All the creative folks um, that are writing these episodes as well and acting in these episodes and, you know, directing them. But, like, restraint is definitely something that's very interesting. That's something I love, and that's something that he brought to Avengers, right? Like, mm-hmm. Hulk stole the show so often because it was Banner res- practicing restraint. Um, and then there's, like, the reveal of that character at the end and everything. You know, like, Joss mm-hmm. knows how to play that, but when he gets to, like, let loose... It's this enjoyment of wit. It's almost as if, like, sometimes, like, it's like, I'm so strong, I get to, like, pummel people. That's, like, fun, mm-hmm. you know? Like, Superman gets to fly around and do that with bad guys. 
But I feel like Joss takes a sick pleasure in being smart and like being yeah. like culturally clever and stuff like that. With you know, the, yeah, with the dulcet choir of Pretty Little Birdies. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's some that Angelus mocks Buffy with. It's so mean. yeah. It's so it's like so terrifying and like they have such a good handle on that too. Well, they have that layer. There's always this like dark comedy with all of the villains throughout mm-hmm. the series. They all have. They manage to. I mean, he's so cruel in this episode. But makes all of these clever quips that make you laugh, and then you think, God, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. What he just did. Everything that he's saying is awful, but I kind of love it. Yeah. It's like sick pleasure out of how awful he is. Mm-hmm. You guys have to choose one. Are you an angel or an Angelus? Uh, I'm going to go angel because Angelus is like this torturous murderer. And I'm not that. Angel- <laughs> Angelus. I'm gonna go with Angelus. Yeah. I'm gonna go I'm with gonna Angelus. Go. Angelus. <laughs> Angelus is a kind of, weirdo. Angelus kind of a pussy. I don't know. Like, he's boring. He is. He's boring. He is. Yeah, but Angelus really like tortured lovely. people's families. I know, but like he seems really fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's. You want to? You know what? I'd rather invite. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want at a dinner party? Probably Angel because he's less likely to torture your guests. But if somehow if he promises not to hurt anybody, he's a better conversationalist. Yeah, and he makes funnier jokes. Yeah, because Angel makes zero jokes. Yeah, <laughs> he makes no jokes. He's super dull. He's kind dull. of yeah. the worst. Yeah, kind of he's the worst. just very mopey, and you, you know, you kind of don't see that. That's what's nice about the shift is that in Angel, in Angel, that you, yeah. leading up to this mm-hmm. shift, you would think, is he going to be any different? Is he going? You know, how yeah, can he yeah. do this? And he can't. That see the first moment when he bites that woman. Yeah. And blo- oh, and it's just so yeah. campy. He's so theatrical. Cool. Yeah. Oh, it's so I just love oh, that it blows the smoke. Yeah. That's, that's so such good. a. In my notes, it's I think I wrote. <laughs> I wrote uh, um, uh, Angel's officially Angelus with that killer cigarette moment at the end. Ugh! What a bad boy. The worst. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds oh. like my uh, my diary when I was watching this episode for the first time. Um, it's he. I think yeah, it's like funny because like the first time we see Angel, he's more similar to Angelus, right? Yeah, because he's kind of trying. Oh, right, when he first meets her in season one, and he's I didn't being- say me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's him playing Faded cool. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's kind of a dork. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah. okay. Here's what I love about Angelus is that he is a dork, mm-hmm. and he's but he doesn't care of yeah. what other people think of him, and he's so weird, and he does weird things, and like. If he was more self-conscious, he'd probably be like, is that is this cool? And people are like, no, people are not going to like you. He doesn't want anyone's approval because he'll just destroy them. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. something, I think that's what it is. Like I love so many Whedon villains because they're so confident. Mm-hmm. That's what I loved about Loki. He was confident. And, but it was more complicated because Loki's being controlled and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, like yeah. Ultron, I think, is a great example. Ultron's really similar to Angel, where or Angelus, where it's just like, I can do whatever I want, and I'm funny. It's like, oh yeah, because I want to stand around and give you my evil plan. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, and, and I love, too, that, I mean, Spike, Drew, and Angel, or Angelus, is such a great foundation of mythology for the entirety of both series, and this is the first episode where we even get to deal with their love triangle, and that's such a rich and awesome thing, and this is the first time that we really ever get to truly see Spike and Angel kind of lock horns. Like, it's danced around in these earlier things and like in what's my line is like you know obviously he's a big part of that as well and it comes up with like the whole angel being the sire thing but this is the first time that it's like oh we're gonna get to watch the three of these people just kind of like cut each other down and, yeah and i love that yeah mm-hmm. like an evil threes company yeah. oh and before i forget it not that it's an important thing but i wanted to mention uh the final the final fight mm-hmm. between buffy and, and yeah Dallas is super emotional, super sad, and I'm forever distracted during it because she is surrounded by posters of the uh, 90s uh, animated film, The Quest for Camelot, (laughs) which is a very random animated film. Uh, It wouldn't be my first choice. No, and it's like, I think that was almost accidental. Like, it was like, that was just what was playing in that theater. Kind of like how Spider-Man 3 is being advertised in the game Dark Knight. Is that true? Yeah, when it pulls up to Joker, you can see a Spider-Man 3 poster in the back. That's so funny. Which but is probably like, what drove him mad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got these scars. 
too many villains. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's not just one poster. It's like every. It's like the little axe face. There's like a talking axe yeah. character. Maybe that they got the rights to that. Like maybe there were other posters and they like couldn't afford to like <laughs> show them. So they were like, oh, what can we afford to just put random posters? Oh, this is before you could go that. in and cut stuff out, yeah. right? In yeah, post? you can't yeah. just like fix that easily. And put, that's like film. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is 1997. They're like, this is fine. Whoever was the production designer. I mean, good enough is good enough. <laughs> That's their motivational poster on the top of their door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have another question too that I was thinking about this time is the idea of justice versus vengeance. Mm-hmm. How the uncle Ooh. is like, we do not serve justice, we serve vengeance. And that's kind of an ugly thought. So I was kind of like, well, that's horrible. And I get that it's like, you know, he's meant to eternally suffer. And I love that Jenny even says to her uncle, she's like, Angel is not Angelus. He saved my life. Like, and she is, you can sense that Jenny herself actually does now feel mad about having to do all this, but that at the end of the day, she always will. She, and it's her not really sharing that is partially responsible for the turn. I mean, and then there's like the, the scene in the library where Jenny comes in and she's like, oh, can I help? And Buffy's like, just leave. And then Giles is like, yeah. oh. her and is like clearly on her side. And he's uh. like, no. Or Giles tells her to leave. Oh. I know. Where, or even when you brought up the moment when Buffy has that dream about Miss Calendar and immediately is in all black again. And mm-hmm. my dad, she's like ready. She's, she's hard. You can Decked feel her out, hardening yeah. back and feeling like, okay, I have to take care of this. And she just storms into the classroom and puts her a hand up against Miss Calendar's neck. Yeah, yeah in front of students. Yeah, pins her down. In real life, and so I was like, "Oh, should I like get the principal or like something?" We're going to leave Snyder out of this. Leave Snyder <laughs> out of this two-episode arc. It'll be too complicated. Yeah, but um, as yeah, soon no, as insane. she, yeah, but as soon as Buffy accuses her, Giles immediately says, "Like, come on, you're you're acting crazy. Like, obviously, this is very upsetting. She would never have uh-huh. anything to do with this." And then Miss Calendar just says, "You know." I, you know, I'm not sure she starts speaking, and you just see in the background, Giles is so crestfallen. Yeah. yeah. It's so tragic. After they rebuilt that bridge. and Yeah, because it took a while. Mm-hmm. Trust is hard, guys. Trust is hard to come by. It's hard to earn. It's mm-hmm. hard to maintain. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, Giles is really, I love Giles in this episode because he's so is loyal to Buffy. Mm-hmm. Like, he is with all of the Jenny stuff, and then at the end, when he's, like, driving her back, and yeah. Buffy's just like, She's basically just like, are you like, are you disappointed with me? Are you mad at me? And then he is it any and he's like, he's like, no, like, is what you did like reckless? Yes, but like, mm-hmm. I would have done the same. It's like one of those things where it's like, I can't be mad at you for doing yeah. what you did because anyone else in your position would do that. Mm-hmm. And just like, and also because like she doesn't have, she has friends, but it's also like it's hard because it seems like she doesn't really have a lot of people at that point too. Yeah. Um and. I, Giles is always so. She has him. It's kind of a companion scene to the end of Lie to Me. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Yeah, exactly. That's what I remember. And it's like in the circumstances, it's like that was almost the setup for this, which is just a far worse situation. Yeah. Or even the Dark Age, where Buffy is is is, it's swapped, right? Where Where she does it. She's talking to him. It's like, are you okay? You know, checking in with him. Yeah. They have a really nice. I like that relationship between Buffy and Giles because it's equals. It's yeah. between two equals, even though like they're different because they're like mm-hmm. a lot older. One's older and one's younger. Mm-hmm. They teach each other a lot, and I feel like that was the exact thing that she needed to hear. And it was true that that's what happened. It's the same thing about consequences. Everything that everyone does, you know. I was reading up on this episode and looking at some other essays about it, and people saying, "Well, is she being punished?" For making this decision. Yeah. And it's, I don't think so. I think it's just, no, your yeah. actions have consequences. You will figure them out. That's life. It's not that black and white. Mm-hmm. You're going to do what you think is best. And it, it ends up the way it ends up. And I think that Giles understands that and, and learns more about that too himself. He starts out very rigid and mm-hmm. she teaches him to be more flexible and, yeah. and to roll with the punches and that not everything yeah. is black I mean, and white. I mean, just the fact that in a surprise when everyone was like, oh, we can't do a party right now. Like, this is too serious. And he's like, no, we have to have a party. Yeah. Like, there's never going to yeah. be a good time to do that. this. Mm-hmm. And I'm Emotional like, that's intelligence. So, Giles wouldn't have yeah. done that, like, last yeah. season mm-hmm. or even, like, earlier this season. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, clearly he's, Yeah. And that's our bell. What a nice little moment to end on in terms of that discussion. That was really sweet. Uh, but we're not fully finished yet. 
Uh, we have an extra cooker activity. We've, we, we've had like a nice light conversation about this episode, but it's so, anyone watching it for the first time is like, why are you guys, why are you guys even talking? This is horrible. <laughs> can we just cry together? We could just cry together. Uh, yeah, we could have a crying circle. Uh, but before that, we have an extra cooker activity, which might be a crying circle. Well, we're going to make something up on the spot. It could be a jingle. It could be a commercial. It could be a sketch. It could be anything. It's inspired by this week's episode, and we're going to find out what it is from Holland Farkas. Holland Farkas, what are we doing? Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just, like, really sad. Uh, I think one of the things that we did bring up, this is a really sad thing. I don't know how to make this fun. Um, I like how at the end of the episode where it's, like, Joyce and, like, Buffy, and they have, like, the two cupcakes, and she's like, I don't have time to make you a cake. Uh-huh. Just, just like the candle and just like let it burn. Um, but they are, they're watching like an old movie on uh-huh. TV, an old black and white movie. It's still weird, I think. The Shirley Temple movie. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Cool. Um, I kind of want to know like what Joyce was doing that she was too busy to make Buffy a cake, but is that like depressing? Because it's probably just like work stuff. Like that's not a. No, we can do the secret adventures of Joyce Summers. <laughs> there we go. Now it's happy. A radio play, Secret Adventures of Joyce Summers. Yes, perfect. Hello, this is the mayor. Um, hi, Mr. Mayor. Um, I was just wondering, I need some funding for the local art gallery, and it has just been the hardest thing in this town. And anyone you talk to, it's almost like the people just don't care about art. And I was wondering if there was someone in your administration that I could talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we actually have an art department. Oh my god, there's a giant robot attacking Sunnydale. I can't stop this. I can't stop this. Do you know someone that we can call that works at the art gallery that you work at? Uh, well, there's only just me and one other person. Who's the other person? What's her name? Her name is Joyce. Her name is Joyce and she's here again. Her name is Joyce and she's making a choice to save the world in secret. Well, get her out there fighting the robot. Uh, hello? Hi, sorry, I've just, uh, give me one second, I have to adjust this frame. Ah, yes, hello, hi. Joyce, um, I tried to get the mayor's support, but it turns out that there's a robot attacking the city. Do you think there's anything you can do? Oh, jeez, uh, I mean, it's my daughter's 17th birthday, but, uh, I can, I can run and do that real quick, and then I just, uh, can you just do me a favor and get me some cupcakes? Yes, absolutely. Alright, take care of it, it's fine. Um, okay. She steps out into the street, where the robot is being controlled by an evil scientist. <laughs> I'm here to destroy Sunnydale and the mayor because I'm having a bad day. Bleep, bloop, bleep. Um, hi, hi, uh, this is just a really inconvenient time for- it's my daughter's birthday and I have to run this art gallery, there's only two of us there. So if you could just do me a favor and not- attack Sunnydale right now. I hear there's something really fun going on at the mall. Um, maybe you could just make your way over there. There's tons of people at the mall that you could, you know, destroy and conquer, I guess. That sounds like a great plan. Right now you're just in the middle of the street of this cul-de-sac and it's just really inconvenient for me right now. Well, normally I probably wouldn't change my plans, but, you know, I have a daughter myself. We don't really speak too often. I wish I could celebrate her birthday. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting very choked up. I think I'll just, you know, I'll let it slide this once. I think I'll head to the mall. Maybe, maybe I can pick up a, a birthday gift for my daughter. Oh, you know what, here, I, gosh, I feel bad. I, I got these cupcakes because I was going to get them for my daughter, but here, uh, just, I just need to take two of them. But here, you can, you can take the rest of them. You know what, bring them to your daughter. It's her birthday. Thank you so much. You're, you're welcome. Robot, head east. Bleep, bloop, bloop. And then they both brought their daughters cupcakes. And the daughters rejoiced. And then the robot didn't destroy any cities anymore. And just spread mirth and sugary delight. And the other cupcakes, well, well, you know that story. This has been The Secret Life of Joy Summers. Different song than before. Bah! <laughs> that was great. I feel like we could turn that into a weekly series. That yeah. was amazing. Yeah, maybe uh, JP poster, maybe. <laughs> Becca's Becca's choice was really good though. Becca had a good choice. 
I feel like we should bring back a Oh, we should. Yeah. Her choice. You did a great choice, though. Hey, that was a great season two reasoning, Joyce. Confident. Logic. You know? I like the cupcakes were characters in the story. <laughs> oh, man. And they, the fact that, like, they, like, you know, they found something in common, right? Like, they, like that's a common thing. That's great. You know? And it's hard enemies, to be a parent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that you brought that together. <laughs> there was a relatable robot. It was, you know, Joyce didn't defeat it with superpowers. She defeated it with Exactly. Everything. You can't punch your problems. Problems are, you can't touch them. No, maybe you can punch your problems. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this session uh, where we talked about Innocence. It's a very, very heavy episode. A lot happens. And we did chat about some things lightly, so we really mean no um, offense. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, we've all lived... Th these moments are obviously very crushing, but I think, you know, I've sat with them for many years, and they don't, you know... The wounds aren't as fresh. It's almost like when I watch these episodes, I like, I'm like looking at an old scar. You know, I'm like, oh, right, I have that scar. Right. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, but I really appreciate you saying it. Thank you. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for joining us for both of these sessions. It's been so so much fun having you on. Yay, thanks so much for having me. If you ever uh, want to chat about other episodes, I live around the corner, and I like Buffy a lot. So. Oh, good nice. to know. We won't say where we're recording <laughs> for safety reasons. Uh, but where can they find you on the internet? Uh, not in Alaska, where I definitely don't live. Uh oh, um, do you know that's a lie? <laughs> 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 oh my god. He's quick. Wow, that was very well done. That's a back pocket one, that's a back pocket one. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little mad about that one, that was so good. Um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Rachel, just Rachel Hine, and then on Instagram, someone has Rachel Hine, so it's just underscore Rachel Hine, it's very irritating. Um... And yeah, I write and edit things for Nerdist.com. Awesome. Uh, Chris, where can they find you? Hello. Uh, on Instagram or Twitter, you can find me as Amontioc. And you can find me with a musical improv group called Robot Teammate and the Accidental Party. Robot Teammate on Twitter, on Periscope. We're playing Geek and Sundry on October 23rd. You want to tune in there or we have a panel at kamikaze and then omar and i write for a web series called the redshirt diaries uh he plugged it last time and i didn't and i was like oh god maybe i should have uh so You're doing uh, it now. that will plug it for us this time redshirt diaries is up uh so look at jawin j-a-w-i-i-n jason inman he's our friend and former guest so he and ashley have a new star trek web series if you like star trek you like that yeah, quite a few guests are actually involved in that. You're in it? You're, you're on it? You're on I am. I wonder if my episode will be up. My fit, Like, I act in one of the episodes. Um, but I don't know if that's out yet. Yeah, I, don't, I think it might be I don't be know the weeks. math of the weeks and our episodes. <laughs> the math of the weeks. That beautiful December's album. Oh, uh, wait, I'm just math, the thing. You know, when Buffy's like, I feel like Giles, when he was like, when he was in math class, he was like, you know what? There should be more math. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an old episode. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. How about you, Holland? Where can I find you? I'm Holland Farkas. You can find me on Twitter at Holland Farkas, Facebook Holland Farkas. My website is hollandfarkas.com if you're interested in any of that stuff. Um, I write articles for a variety of websites. I sometimes upload videos to my YouTube channel, although not recently, um, but it's youtube.com slash user slash tailtailheartxo because crazy Edgar Allan Poe fan. Um, also, if you are going to be at New York Comic Con, come say hi. We're not all gonna be there. I'm going for work, um, so I'm gonna be around. Rocket Jump has a panel on Saturday that is directly after the X Files panel, so cool. um, I'm gonna try and get into the so X Files stick panel. Around. But I'm probably gonna have to do stuff for work. Uh, Just go. Yeah. Well, it's in a different room. So if you get into the X Files panel, first tell me how it is. Tell me how many episode it is. Run to the other room where the Rocket Jump panel is and go see that panel because that one's do it do it run uh you clever boy uh and i'm omar you can also find me at youtube.com slash two broke geeks that's the number two broke geeks or on twitter at two broke geeks uh i also i'm on twitter myself at omar najam i'm running uh for a web series that chris is not writing on which is social medium so i want to get the full plugage out but check out social medium on youtube just search it it's a great series it's super buffy-tastic in the writer's room we only talked about buffy and there's a lot of buffy jokes in, in all the episodes so check it out and you can and two always... past guests. 
That's Tara, true. Yeah. Tara and uh, Brent. Brent. Yeah, yeah. James Brent Isaacs. Yeah, you're right. Hopefully, we'll get everyone on because everyone's amazing. Everyone in the world is great. I feel like everyone's great except everyone for warlords. Everyone in the world is great. I'm not a huge fan of warlords. Except for Hitler. Yeah, and people who hunt animals for sport. I just don't get that. I just don't get it. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, hard things out there. Yeah. So maybe not everyone, but I like you guys. You're the best, Lloyd. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you can check out everything Sunnydale Study Group related at SSG Podcast on Twitter. That's at SSG Podcast or Facebook.com slash Sunnydale Study Group. We're also on Instagram. We love chatting. We love uh, talking to you guys. Everyone's so nice and supportive. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you, Rachel, for joining us and sitting in the heat for <laughs> these two sessions. And uh, we will be back with the, the fallout of Angelus uh, for the rest of the season and see what's happening. So Phases is our next one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, uh, things are getting real. Yeah. Things are getting really real. Yeah. So, uh, really, really real. Yeah. Pack your bags, pack your books, maybe a box of tissues to dry some tears. We'll see you next week. This is for Innocence, episode 14 of season two. Oh, my notes. Just become an NPR podcast. <laughs> I need my notes. Uh, Innocence. This is Buffy Becomes a Cop. <laughs> <laughs>